So it's Vision Sunday, and um, vision is a word which is often overused and underdefined. So when I say it's Vision Sunday, it will mean different things to different ones of you. Some of you will think, oh, Ben is clearly going to lay out what the plans are in detail over the next few years. Maybe you're thinking there's going to be some financial figures attached. Others of you will be like, no, that's not Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday is all about us having a bit of time for self-reflection, maybe looking at the prophetic journey uh, of where God's been speaking to us, Uh, look at any pertinent prophetic words that have uh, happened with us over the last few years and into the future. For those of you who haven't been around on a church Vision Sunday before, maybe you're thinking, well, what on earth does my eyesight have to do with church? Why is Ben harping on about that? There will also be different levels of passions for uh, a vision talk. So some of you naturally will be thinking a number of years into the future. You would have painted a picture for your household. You know, your kids will know exactly what uh, the future will look like for them because you have spent such a good job of articulating that or your household will. Others of you, you're struggling to think beyond lunchtime today or from the, the next nap that your child is going to have. You can't see beyond there. But whatever you think, knowing where God is leading us, it's biblical. It's strengthening. It focuses our energy as a church. It helps us to be effective, and it enables us to move forward together. Now, um, we have in this very building a genuine world experts in the house. Can I get a little woo? Woo. I know. I wish I could say that more often at Grace Church. We're, we're a talented bunch, but not very often can I say we've got a world expert. But we have in Professor Zoltan Dornier, who is a professor at the university, and he's written multiple books on vision, and in particular, its power to motivate. And so I'm going to quote one of his favorite, favorite definitions of vision from one of his fabulous books. And Zoltan, do you mind giving us a little wave just so, uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's always putting himself first, Zoltan. Look at, look at that body language there. Okay, this is, this is what one of his books on vision says. Vision should describe a future world where the mission is advanced. It should outline a rich and textual picture of what success looks like and feels like. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be outlining a rich textual picture. Well, I'm going to be painting a picture of what uh, Grace Church will look like over the coming years. If, um, If I... Uh, do a bad job, it will be me being too generic. We want to be thinking about what it looks like, what it feels like to be in Grace Church over the next few years. It's specific to us. Now, we felt uh, inspired, I suppose, to revisit our church vision when God spoke to us a year and a half ago through Isaiah 43, verse 19. Let me just remind you all of it. The words will come up on the screen says this, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. This verse 
prompted us to spend some time reflecting on what God has said to us as a church over the last few years, how he's been speaking to us. We've combined that with how we feel God has been working, you know, where the rivers in the desert are, where the the way in the wilderness is. Um, We've been trying to look and reflect on that. And I'm going to be outlining something of that today, of where we perceive God to be working. So that was the catalyst. Let me introduce us to our new vision statement. I'll introduce it to you and then we'll go from there. So our vision is to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel and replicates this across the UK. So it's to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel and replicates this across the UK. It sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, we are going to be plastering it everywhere. It's going to be on the screens regularly. It's going to be on our website. We're going to talk about it a lot. Um, So we better get used to it. However, behind its simplicity, every single word has been carefully picked. And what I would love is, I would love at the end of today, when someone asks you what Grace Church is about, you'll at least be able to give something of that vision. So you'll be able to say something like, oh, um, Grace Church is about uh, thriving community, possibly. It's, um, it's about uh, seeing the gospel transform Nottingham. You might say something along those lines. Or it's to do with us planting churches in other parts of the UK. But we are going to dig into each part of this vision statement Because the last thing we want it to be is just some nice words on a page. And then next year we'll come up with something else. And then the year after we'll come up with something else. No, we want to get specific. We want to uh, outline what these words actually mean. So today, as I paint this picture, as you hear my heart for this community, this city and beyond, I want you to also spend some time dreaming about what this place could look like. And what I would love is as I speak, I'd love you to just to be aware of how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Maybe he'll speak to you as I'll speak about certain things and your heart will uh, suddenly light up or you'll wake up suddenly and you'll think, no, this is, this is great. Whatever it might be, I'd love you just to be aware of what God is wanting to say to you as I speak. So, you ready to look at the first part of our vision statement and reflect on what it means to build a thriving community at Grace Church? You ready? Born ready, you're saying back to me, yes. Okay, so thriving at Grace Church means to thrive in worship. Wasn't this morning's worship time brilliant? Contribution after contribution. And it's because we take seriously what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. And then straight after that it says, let all things be done for the building up. This is a biblical description of what spirit-led worship looks like. Okay? Where there's order, there's encouragement, there's space for people to contribute. To, for you to all bring the gifts that God has given you. You know, in 2030, which sounds like an age away, but it's 10 years away from now, we are still going to be worshipping like this. It's still going to be a core part of who we are at Grace Church. It's because we are the priesthood of all believers. 
You know, we're not living under an old covenant where it's one priest who brings their offering, their worship to the Lord, but it's all of us. We've each got a part to play in this. We all usher in God's presence, not just one person on a guitar. Some of my favorite times have been where one particular contribution has changed and transformed the entire atmosphere, the entire direction of our meetings. It's shaped our morning or our evening. And we see glimpses of this regularly. But church, don't you want to see so much more? Don't you want to see so much more? There, there are some amazingly faithful uh, contributors, and, but we hear a lot of the same voices. And I would love us as a church um, for the majority of us to think, right, Lord, is there anything that you want me to bring today? Or how can I encourage this person today? Is there any, anyone you want me to encourage? We've all got a part to play in this. And as we do, as we do contribute, as we do play our part, the thing I love is that so often people will come out of a worship environment here and, you know, whether they have faith or not, say, look, surely I've encountered, I've encountered Jesus, I've encountered God, I've encountered something of what he wants in my life. We have opportunity also over the next 10 years to be a church with the most incredible spirit-led, scripture-centered charismatic worship we really do and I long for this to happen because when we boldly step forward in this area what we're basically doing is we're saying that the description of worship in the New Testament that Paul describes is as current today is as real today as it was back then and I believe that this will be one of our um, legacies or one of our defining contributions to the health of the UK church, the whole church, UK church scene in the years to come. So that's what it means to thrive in worship at Grace Church, specifically for us. That's our call. What, does, what else does it mean to thrive? Well, we're to thrive in service. An excellent church teaches people well. It creates space for people to hear from God and it enables everyone to step forward with their God-given gift, their unique contribution to the local church. Biblical church, it doesn't operate with a few people just doing absolutely everything, but it operates with all of us playing our parts. That's how church works best. How are we currently doing at Grace Church with this? It's a genuine question. How are we doing? Do you currently feel commissioned to use your gifts to build his church? Have we properly laid out the biblical reality that there is nothing better than giving your life towards a local church because the church is God's vehicle, God's means for salvation for the world? Have we laid that out? Have we done a good enough job there? Now, the interesting thing about the Christian journey is that you don't become more Christ-like by just knowing the theory, by knowing the expectations, what you're supposed to be doing. And let me quote from an absolutely incredible theologian, Richard Branson. Um, he says this, uh, you don't learn to walk by following the rules, you learn by doing and by falling over. Are we a church that allows people to try and walk, fall over, encourage them, pick them up, 
set them off again? Are we a church where there's space for us to do that? The biblical picture is that burying your talents, burying the gifts that God has for you, doesn't achieve anything. There's no growth to be had. Instead, we mature by taking God at his word and then cheered on by our church family, by those people around you. We use our talents to build his kingdom. But it's worth saying at this point that there are some seasons in life for all of us where we've all been there, where simply being in this room right now is an incredible sort of step of faith. And you've made it. You've managed to be here. And God just wants to hear a massive well done to you that you have chosen to plug yourself in in some way with church family. Well done. And for all of us, we need to have healthy balance in this and serving God. So we don't just want to be a place that, that um, everything we do is purpose-driven in a sense. We want to be a place where you have rest where you have rhythms in life, where you have a Sabbath, where you're not just doing church meeting after church meeting, where, um, where there's a sense that you can just hang out and be with people, not always because you want a particular purpose, but just because you want to love them and you want to be part of community there. So there needs to be daily, weekly times with Jesus. But it's true also that we were all made to serve. God's got plans and purposes for each and every one of us. And as we serve, as we lay things down, knowing that our identity is in God, not in, how we, not in how we serve, not in our job, whether it's here or in a secular context. You know, let's look at Christ as our example in this. I'm just going to, I don't think these words will be up on the screen, but let me just read from John 13, verse 3. It says this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So Jesus, knowing his identity, his identity was rooted in his Father, in, in um, who he was in him. What did he do? What did he do? He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it round his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that he was wrapped around him. So knowing that his identity was totally secure, he served. He is our perfect example. We're to do the same. We haven't actually got a feet washing ministry here yet, but um, if God's speaking to you specifically about that, I can see some eyes light up or some grimaces. <laughs> He is our perfect example. Let's be a people who do the same. Okay? So we're also meant to thrive in relationships. Bonhoeffer, who was a great theologian and a German pastor, says this of relationships. And in particular, he's speaking into community here. He says, Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. 
He then states the next bit very strongly. He says, God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Oh, a dream of perfect community is appealing, isn't it? It really is. Imagine a place where everyone is um, putting others first. Where, and, and because everyone's putting others first, you included, you get your needs met because everyone's putting others first. And, you know, there's no arguments. There's no little clashes of personalities. We're all just in a great place with one another. The problem with this idealized version of community is that you or me are included in it. And you don't get perfection with, well, definitely not with me and probably not with you. We have a tendency to scupper any plans where we're required to be perfect. I remember having a teacher at school um, exclaim once in total exasperation, and he said something like, teaching is a noble profession. It's a wonderful profession. The only thing ruining it is the pupils. <laughs> which is a stupid comment, isn't it, on one level, but I can, we can feel like that with community, can't we? It's like community would be so perfect if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> so knowing that we are not perfect, who knows they are not perfect? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> knowing that we are not perfect, what should we be aiming for? What should we be aiming for as a community? Well, I want this place to be a, somewhere where we are warm and friendly to absolutely everyone, but you have a handful of people who you can be totally real with. You can speak to them about anything, and you are met with love and with care. And by the way, I'm not talking about spouse or kids. That's not allowed. It's, it's other people, part, apart from your immediate family. You know, people you can share your challenges with, your struggles with, and a response is one of love. Now, just a comment on love. Um, we culturally have shifted on what that word even means over the last few years. And um, what love tends to mean from a worldly perspective is that um, it's basically an encouragement. It's a cheering on of absolutely anything that's been said. And just reflecting about that and thinking about that and thinking, well, with my kids, if I was to cheer on absolutely everything that they said, it wouldn't actually end up being a loving way to, to, to look after them. And so love in a Christian context is where you know you can be listened to, you know you, you're going to be cared for, you know where someone has their best, your best intentions at heart, but people speak truth and they speak life into a situation. That's what love is. And do you know what that results in? That results in all of us walking into a greater level of freedom. That's what that does. That's what we're called to do. We all mature as we speak love and truth to one another. We have wonderful diversity here at Grace Church as well when we're thinking about relationships. You know, and it really is an echo of Revelation 7 verse 9. Let me remind you of that. Behold a great multitude. Okay, that might be a slight exaggeration, but we're, uh, we're getting there. It's a good size group. But that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is a description of heaven. Okay, and we have a little glimpse of that culturally now. But my challenge to you all 
is do you have genuine relationship with people who are culturally quite different from you? Do you have genuine friendship? Are you speaking into their lives? Are you encouraging them? Or are we all wearing the same blue shirts from a similar cultural background? Yes, yeah, it's, it's discouraging in a way. We don't want to be a church like that. We want to be a church where there's diversity of leadership, where there's diversity of groups, and we're all speaking to one another and loving one another because that's how we learn and that's how we grow together. So that's what it means to thrive at Grace Church where we thrive through worship, through service, through relationships, and then we build this thriving community. Let's look at what it now means to reach Nottingham with the gospel. Okay, this means firstly, we're going to reach Nottingham evangelistically. I came to faith aged 20, and um, I'd been brought up in a Christian family and stepped away from God, but then God became real to me and totally transformed my life age 20. I encountered Jesus, and over time, an understanding of who I am, what God's called me to be, who, who he's made me. Some of my insecurities went instantly. Some of them I still carry around today, and I'm a work in progress, in, but God transformed my life. And that's the case with so many of you today. It's the case with so many of you. That's not a special story. And as I sacrificed what the world says was important, what happened? Well, I got something of infinitely greater worth. Hmm. And people are coming to faith here, church. They really are. We, we've got baptisms as part of our mega march. Um, <laughs> we've got baptisms in a few weeks' time. And we have baptism chats with anyone who's getting baptized. And out of the chats we've had so far... Um, the five out of the seven chats, uh, people have come to faith here in the last six months. Praise God. It's great news, isn't it? Yeah. But church, don't you long to see more? Don't you long to see more? Nottingham transformed beyond all recognition by people coming to faith. Currently, more people go to the city grounds to watch forest play on any given weekends and they do come to all of the great city centre churches around Nottingham. That's, that's a stat that I want to see changed. There is slight hope with Forest fans at the moment. Have you noticed that? Hope of promotion. And look, I hope they get into the lead that they deserve to be in. But we... <laughs> but but we, we have an eternal hope. And I don't know whether we live like we've got an eternal hope, day in, day out, week in, week out. That's what we have as followers of Jesus. So let's go and tell this wonderful city about it. Let's talk to our course mates. Let's pray for healing for people in the streets, in Market Square in Nottingham. Let's hand out these, these cards. You'll be able to pick some up at the end, just cards with some details about um, Grace Church. My Iranian hairdresser's got about three of these now, so <laughs> um, let's hand them out. Let's tell people, because encountering Jesus, it changes absolutely everything. It changes everything. My life is totally changed and transformed because of what he did, how he came to me, and we can all play a part in that. We're also to reach Nottingham locally. We've had a number of words, a number of prophecies about uh, reaching people in our local areas. 
So that might be building missional home groups in the city or areas around the city. So people who, believe it or not, have a heart for Clifton or Keyworth or Top Valley or Arnold. And there was a prophetic word a while ago, a number of years ago actually, but we still believe it's current, about lights, fires springing up around the city, bringing, uh, bringing faith, uh, and bringing healing, bringing hope, and breaking out across the city. But a good question to ask is, how do you love where you live? How do you do it? How can you bring God's goodness and hope to your neighbours? to the school gate, to the spin class. How do you do it? In a book called Scattered Servants, a chap called Alan Scott says this about loving where you live. Part of the church have confused bringing life to the city with taking our cities for God. In this worldview, the city is an enemy needing to be brought into subjection. We approach him with a heart of militancy, not mercy. However, the posture of the church to the city is not as conqueror, but as servant. The kingdom advances as we release compassion, not as we take dominion. We have not come to take over our cities. We have come to lay our lives down. That's what it means to be a church for the city. The goal is not to conquer the city, but to create environments that love the city back to life. How are we loving this city back to life, church? What's your role in, in bringing your area back to life? How can you serve the lads in Lenton, the girls in Gedling, the kids in Carlton, which doesn't quite work, but I'm running with it anyway. How do you do that? How do you, the workers in Willerton. There we go, another one. <laughs> okay, that's what it means to reach Nottingham locally. How do we next reach Nottingham generously. The author and church leadership guru Eric Swanson says, it's only when we relinquish trying to be the best church in the city that we can reach towards the higher goal of becoming the best church for the city. That's my longing for us to be the best church for the city. Grace Church is is, is a great church for the city and for the surrounding uh, neighbourhoods, the villages, the greater Nottingham uh, area. And our dedication for social justice reform is a key part of that. Steve Sylvester, who's coming next weekend, he's the vicar at St. Nick's. He, um, whenever I go for a coffee with him or I buy him lunch, it generally works that way, he, uh, he normally, um, he, he's, he always talks about the social justice ministries that happen here. The fact that people can find a community, they can find love, they can find hope. He's overwhelmed by it and he just gives us massive encouragements week after week for what is going on in this place. Greater Nottingham is broken, but it isn't beyond repair. God can fix it just like he fixed us. And do you know what? He often uses our hands and our feet to do that, doesn't he? He uses our hands and our feet to be his hands and feet and fits Nottingham. Imagine a city where every single homeless person knows that they can be loved and supported here at Grace Church. Every person who comes out of prison 
knows that they're going to encounter a loving community here at the 12 o'clock service, a place where they can be real, where they can be fed both spiritually and physically. Imagine a place where there is a job available where Radiant Cleaners, where Grace Enterprises provides a job that provides support, purpose, structure. This is what we're doing at the moment. We are making a difference, but God has so much more for us to do in this area, church. So we're going to continue investing in these ministries, praying for these ministries, stepping forward together in these ministries. That's what we're called to do. So that's what it means to see Nottingham changed and transformed. That's what it means to be a church for the city. Finally, what does it look like to replicate this across the UK? So God has enabled us to plant two churches over the last four and a half years. Um, And because of this, well over 200 people are now connected in with a loving community. Many people have come to faith. It's amazing. People are meeting in the context of a beautiful community. And it's worth acknowledging that So many of us in the room have sacrificed a lot for that. We really have. Financially, we've sacrificed friendships as well as people are now well over an hour's drive away and we see people less frequently. But it's been worth it. God has transformed and changed people. It's been incredible fruit. A few months ago, God gave us a picture as a church of a mother giving birth to three children, and then essentially the mother having a well-earned break. (laughs) Um, And we believe that this picture was referring specifically to our church planting, and Grace Church, if you like, being the mother, and uh, these other churches being our children. And the third church, the third child, is uh, Newcastle, which is happening in September. And for those of you who weren't involved in the uh, Newcastle evening, Rick and Cheryl and ourselves, we're calling the church the River Church, uh, in part because there's a whopping great river that runs through uh, Newcastle, but also because of that um, prophetic word, the prophetic verse, Isaiah 43, a river in the wilderness. So that's what we're planning to do. And once that goes, we believe that um, the future, over the next few years at least, is for us to invest further in all that God's doing here in Nottingham, you know, in this building, in the ministries, as well as, um, as, well as continuing to build our relationship between, in a sense, those churches and, and ourselves. So the focus, as well as building things here, is on relationships between our family of churches, our Grace Connection churches, the mother and the kids, if you like. So together Sunday, uh, this camping extravaganza we've got coming on in a few months' time, that is an example of us building relationships together. Regular time with Steve and Julia, Emily and myself, um, uh, getting together with with those guys. It's Steve who leads Grace Connection. That is um, building relationships. That's strengthening our family of churches. So we will be planting again after Newcastle, but it probably won't be for a couple of years. But what was our motivation to plant these churches in the first place? Why did Steve and Julia 
plant a church into Birmingham Kings Church? Why did Duncan and Hannah plant into Manchester with Revelation Church? Why on earth, apart from the beautiful beaches, which they genuinely are up there, why on earth is Rick and Cheryl going to Newcastle to plant a church there? Why are they doing it? Well, they were all motivated to start a church in a different city because they've been so blessed to be part of this church here and they want other people to experience a life in beautiful community like this. Churches that have very similar DNA to Grace Church. The world needs more churches, isn't that true? The world needs more churches because they transform communities like nothing else. The church is God's plan for redemption. It's God's plan. So, hopefully, you're happy with the job I've done on painting a picture of what this incredible church can look like over the coming years. Look like as Christ continues to build it, because it's him, ultimately, who builds this place. We are the living stones. That's what it says, isn't it? We are the building blocks that Jesus chooses to use. And as he speaks, as Jesus speaks, he leads us to build a thriving community that reaches Nottingham with the gospel and replicates this across the UK. Amen? Amen. Chris, do you mind coming up? I'd love to pray for us. I'm just going to do that. If you're comfortable, please shut your eyes. Lord Jesus. Yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are in the room right now. Jesus, thank you for the way in which you have led us over the years. <laughs> we, we can so clearly testify to your goodness. Thank you for the plans and the purposes you do have for us over the coming years. Thank you that we serve you knowing that we have been fully accepted and linked in and adopted into your family, Lord. And then in doing so, we become the family of God. We are brothers and sisters together serving you. Lord Jesus, I pray, help us not to be a church that just gets comfortable coming along on a Sunday and just having nice, cozy community, but help us to step forward and to impact this city and to love people and care for people and really make a change. Help us to use our talents, our gifts for your glory, Lord Jesus. Yeah, in your name we pray.